This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. On today's episode, we are talking connection to the land and the cosmos with Ed Kirk Smith. Our book review today is Find Your Soul Path, Discover the Magical Life Within, written by Emma Griffin. Here is the book's blurb. Create the life you have always dreamed of, brimming with ancient wisdom and natural magic. Modern day witch and intuition teacher Emma Griffin shares the rituals, meditations, spells and advice that you need for connecting with your authentic self and living a truly magical life. Learn how to develop a spiritual practice that feeds your soul, creates space for daily happiness and celebrate the joy of living in harmony with your intentions as you move through the world on your soul path. So you may remember Emma came onto the podcast a couple of episodes back on the soul path episode. One of my friends, Kelly, made me laugh so much because Emma sounds so calm and at peace. And I'm just bouncing off the walls in that episode with all this hyper energy. I loved speaking to Emma. I think she just got me in such a high vibration that I couldn't help myself. Her book is just stunning. A gorgeous hardback with the most wonderfully witchy cottagecore aesthetic. There's photographs throughout. This is the sort of book you might want to have on a coffee or bedside table to regularly dip in and out of as it's just packed full of different inspiration. A wide variety of topics throughout that offer a snapshot into each. From creating a sacred space throughout your entire home to your altar, cleansing your sacred space, morning routines, meditations, journaling, sacred cacao rituals. There is a section on rituals that looks at the Sabbaths, but also has rituals around birthdays and grief. There is a section called work, which focuses on shadow work, fears, anxiety, your authentic self, affirmations, your inner child and limited beliefs. There's also a section on self, which looks at self-love, conscious motherhood, the soul, boundaries and grief. 
This book injected some motivation into me to create more sacred routine around my home, but also myself. It helps me with the process of wintering across this darker season and also helped me appreciate how much the little things are a huge basis of my personal happiness relating to how my home feels and the small daily commitments that I make to myself. I think this is a great book for beginner witches, but also offers plenty of food for thought and inspiration to more seasoned witches. Although it's a witchy book, you could easily also give this to someone who simply classes themselves as spiritual. If you're still sitting on the fence with this book, have a look at Emma's Instagram page, which is at Emma Griffin Witch. Her imagery on her page is absolutely stunning, a mix of cottagecore and witchy, and it might help you see why I adore this book and the photos throughout so much. Absolutely love this book, and I hope you might too. Join me after the break to talk all about connection to the land and the cosmos. with Ed Kirk Smith. In 2015, Ed left a chaotic life in London with his young family in search of a new beginning and found reconnection to natural processes with the power of the moon. This cosmic enlightenment was partly responsible for his organisation called Rebel Pharma, which looks to demonstrate the incredible power of permaculture design to create nutritious seasonal food and build a community that has reciprocal connection to the landscape. He aims to continue to build this movement to support the recovery of nature with a whole system approach to localized food systems and how this can help save the planet. Welcome to the show, Ed. Hi, hi Carly. It's so good to have you on after all this time. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Thank you so much for having us. So, Ed, I've been very fortunate to come over and see where you work and met you through my mum, who is, of course, very much a what I like to think a green witch. <laughs> I like to think you are, I always see you as someone like working with the land living the good life. I know there's far more to it than that. I already know a little of your story, not much, as how you came to be doing what you are doing now. But can you give me and the listeners some insight into your journey to living on and working with the land and how you got there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have quite a story, really, very progressive story. But uh, I grew up in London. Uh, I'm from London and I grew up with my family in Cadwell, South East London. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, well, I became a tree surgeon after much uh, a debate after, of what I was going to do with my life. Um, uh, and that was that was really where my sort of journey with uh, connection, I, I should say, probably sort of started. You know, I really fell in love with the trees. I was working with 
the trees and working outside each day. Um, and I really, really sort of resonated with them. And I, I felt like a, a, a deep sort of love um, and um, understanding for them after working with them for a few years. Um, and this actually sort of led towards wanting probably not to <laughs> cut them down and work on them <laughs> as much. Um, and um, as I started growing older and, and, and starting a new family, my life sort of uh, changed really. And, um, and And I sort of came to a new a new place where I wanted to sort of uh, start again. Um, I had a, I had a little moment actually, Carly. I was I was in the supermarket in um, in, in on Dog Kennel Hill. It is in in southeast London in Sainsbury's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had my uh, I uh, I tell this story a lot. Um, and I had my my boy Freddie. Um, he was probably about one at the time, and he was sitting in the trolley. Um, uh, and he was sucking on one of those um these organic pouches you know they're sort of like yeah. uh, uh those those things and uh and and i i had a bit of a an epiphany moment i was i looked down at him sort of sucking on this plastic pouch and this this trolley full of plastic you know stuff from all over the world and uh from unknown origins you know and i was looking up and the the incandescent lights of the of the supermarket and the beeping of the tills and i had a bit of a sort of moment and i sort of said no this this is not what i want this is not what i want for fred this is not what i want for me uh yeah. and it was a real moment for me i I'd, I'd recently um discovered something called permaculture mm -hmm. um and permaculture is is a sort of design process it's a way of thinking uh it's, it's sort of set set around these ethical principles um and um and uh and i really wanted to sort of start living like that and so my work as a tree surgeon sort of led me into um, into how I could sort of start a life based around permaculture. Permaculture is all about observation and understanding the problems around um, uh, uh, problems that we see in the world, basically, and trying to find like natural and positive solutions to those. Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of every working day, working with the trees, I'd have a truck full of what was known as green waste. Um, and this really wasn't waste is what i realized i realized that this could be a resource i realized that what you could do with this green waste was that you could you could basically create a compost with it and you could use that compost to enrich soil and then you could grow food in that soil to nourish yourself and to to uh and to support biodiversity to support nature so this was one of the big moments for me and was really instrumental in my move out of london so yeah, like you said, I moved in. I moved out of London in, in 2015 to really pursue um, this idea, um, and we we ended up here in lovely Brook, which is in the Kent Downs National Landscape. And uh, I've got about three acres here, um, and we sort of started a, a design. We started designing a permaculture idea, um, which didn't use the whole of the land, and and very much at first I, I sort of sectioned off just a just about half acre of land to sort of work on as, as a as a growing plot having not grown anything in my life yeah. I should ask I should add I, like I hadn't started a seed at all in fact I've grown a tomato in my London garden I, I'm very <laughs> proud of this tomato I've got a picture of Freddie holding it as a as a young kid um and uh yeah and, and that really sort of set me off on the path um to, to where I am today which is 
a long way down the line but yeah only eight years as well so yeah a lot has happened in that time <laughs> oh my I love this story first off I know Camberwell well you used to go drinking there one of my old old haunts <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's very we probably fun. met there Carly we probably met there in the past you never know <laughs> Probably, honestly, I'm just thinking of my times of staggering around in Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's a I know where you are in like that. That's a huge change in lifestyle. Uh, secondly, I really understand what you mean about the tree surgeon work. So I finally, I'm, I've met a few tree surgeons, and it's very much the case of they become they become very sympathetic and very connected to the trees, and then they've got this dilemma of you know, this is what I'm, uh, uh, you know, what they're doing with that job is such a tricky one. Um, but also, I I always think with different initiatives, because I probably met you a couple of years ago now, and I, I you know, bumped into you and, and heard from my mum different things that you're doing and some other people you guys are connected with. And it just, I think it's really commendable how you'd gone from growing one tomato, just like sod it, I'm doing this now, and this is what I'm going to make happen. Because I think that just shows, like, if you've got this dream, this desire to do something, it's just got to be there and to want it enough to just go sod it. What's the worst that could happen? I'm going to try it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, um, I just, you know, I think I saw a lot of problems with the world and, and I suddenly had this little bundle of joy child and, and really started thinking about his future. And I was like, what do I have? What can I, what can I give back to sort of try and, you know, say that I've, um, I've done my best and, and try and sort of secure a nice future for him. And, and it just felt that, you know, that I should, I should, you know, look at this way of life in order to do that. Um, I, I, I felt like I'd, I'd grown up and I'd learned everything I needed to know from London. And I felt like I I was missing something. I always had like this amazing love for nature. I, I was absolutely obsessed with um, David Attenborough as a kid had all of his books and just couldn't wait for the next season to come out always like glued to the screen and that was that was so much my favorite thing and and when as a family when as a kid we used to go on holidays I used to absolutely love getting out into the countryside um and uh yeah I think it was just that that really started to come out in me and I was like well maybe I could just give Freddie that from the beginning you know and um he was just three years old three and a half years old when we, we moved out here so he doesn't really have any memories of London now which is really weird you know um because I do <laughs> yeah no I, I'm the same and you know I'm the same I've I've moved out to a really rural area I mean my house and you know I've got a very small traditional garden but I'm right in the middle of nature and you know fields and it's proper farming land there's very little else here but I completely I also feel and you might re resound with this as well you know I do go back to London I've still got friends there and I know we're kind of like living you know living in in my mind like we've moved out living the good life on the land in a sense but it is still possible for you know any of our listeners and there are lots of initiatives and things going on in London that you can still connect to with growing and you know doing these sorts of things you like I, I feel like I also want to say like it isn't just a case of everyone's got to move to the country like you can still do things if you still want to remain in big cities and towns and you know like growing your tomatoes on on a balcony and so on if 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 that's where you need to remain and that's what you want to do. Absolutely I mean I, that's what I, I now teach you know is the fact that you know 
you can there's a there's a plant for every space there's, you can grow food on on your windowsill you don't even need sunlight actually you know if you had to grow some nutritious food but uh you know and you don't need all of that land and there are lots of great initiatives in london you're right in fact that you know what i've noticed in the school system down here is they don't actually seem to connect as much with uh food growing as they do in london um yeah I yeah I, I did some work in some london schools you know with um with my tree work and stuff and all the london schools had like an edible garden sort of thing going on um and actually when i came down here um freddie's school which is in the middle of like all of this agricultural country didn't have a, a, a thing <laughs> and and i had to i had to i had to build one i actually designed and built a um uh, a school garden for for freddie's primary school uh uh lady joanna thornhill Thornhill in in Y to try and sort of like go guys you know look <laughs> we all need to be growing some food here you know like kids really need to learn where this food has come from um yeah, like you live in the countryside you know we don't need to bother <laughs> that's it that's it, oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> really interesting but uh yeah that's that garden you know I got that up and going I'm really quite proud of that I, I sort of got it up and going and then with the intention of like just you know passing it on um, I'm not really a teacher um, but I was thrust into sort of running gardening club there for a little while but um, I, I you know during Covid I actually sort of like you know I couldn't do that anyway and by the end of Covid they'd really embraced that garden and they now use it within their sort of curriculum at the school so I'm, I'm really happy about that you know it's 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 still having the effect that um, that I gave it I suppose um, in, in 2018 when I did that so yeah really interesting I, I think that's great Ed uh, and I also think I mean I really am so excited to get into this conversation with you because for me like I know you've got a really strong message to share I feel for me like one of my initiatives this year is I there are so many witches you know people that consider themselves pagan heathen spiritual they've all got this concept of mother earth and you know i feel like sometimes with um the circles i move in in terms of the witchy stuff like we get to a certain point with the green witch life as in oh you know planting your garden and that's about it <laughs> you know and i think there's a lot of us witches that um kind of want to do more and wants to know more about the land and you know areas like permaculture and so on because we do want to make changes and but we just don't know where to start so that's really why I wanted to get you on to kind of open this up so it might inspire some listeners to think okay I'm going to go and look into this now or this kind of spring I want to look at more than just planting my seeds I want to start considering this and what I can do um I like to think you are kind of, I know you're like working with the land and um, I wanted to kind of get into some specifics relating to working with and planting by the moon because I know that is very witchy and one of the, the areas that you're very interested in. I know you don't class yourself as a witch, but, you know, for the sake of us witches, um, we all love the moon. So that's that's what I wanted to kind of get into. If you had some insight into how you first began working with the moon, your relationship with her and the land itself. Oh, yeah, great. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a real love for the for the moon. Um, you know, my wife calls me a lunatic, you know. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I've, I especially found that when I came to Kent. I think what happens in London is that you sort of, you, you 
you can see the moon like uh, behind the buildings occasionally <laughs> and you sort of go oh look there's the moon and it's in the sky it's just sort of there it's a it's a, oh it's a full moon tonight oh look at that lovely crescent and you just think it's in a sort of random part of the sky and I really didn't have any sort of understanding of the rhythm of the moon until I'm, I moved out um I'm very lucky with the orientation of my land here um <laughs> I, I went yeah it's part of the permaculture thing when I came to see this house I noticed that that the land was sloping to the um to the south to the southwest mm -hmm. um and that's really good for in my head at the time was really good for for drying out the land um and draining the lands during the spring to get it ready for growing nice and early um so I saw this as a really key advantage but what it what it does also give you is this this amazing view I'm at the top of the hill as well of the south and obviously that is the, where the the moon and the sun um pass pass by us and we can see them from and and i'm and just from this lovely orientation of my land i have a fantastic view of this so mm. when i came down here i really started to um admire the moon in particular um because it was just there in the sky, like, you know, uh, quite a lot of the month. And we have quite dark skies here, although I'm quite mm. close to Ashford. There's a bit of, um, um, you know, there's a little bit of light pollution coming from, from sort of M20, the Ashford side of things. But um, we've really got a lovely sky and I get to see the uh, the moon and the stars. And uh, and I just sort of really fell in love with this river, My I found um, a real solace and, and, and meditative sort of time with, with the moon in the evening. So I quite often just end up going out and staring at it. Um, yeah. And, and I've, I found real connection just from this. From And, and, and I, this is, again, this is part of permaculture, is this sort of this observation being the real key to, uh, to the design, you know, and just observing nature and its patterns, its natural patterns, and then sort of, basically using those patterns to go about your design and your life. So um, I started to see these patterns and admire these patterns. But what I noticed straight away is, and I'd always, I think I'd always noticed this a little bit. People go a bit mad around the full moon. But yeah. um, um, in this sort of quite isolated and on my own sort of feeling, I could feel that energy without others around I always I always just sort of observed it in London it's like oh it's full moon everyone's gone a bit mad yeah <laughs> out here I could just feel this like um energy of 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 uh you know this excitement that would come just in a few days um um coming up towards the full moon and I quite often find that actually that all that all my energy would be completely drained by the time we got to the full moon the full moon itself would be a day of like I'm just knackered now because the yeah. last few days have been like just so intense um, uh, that I, I'd uh, yeah I'd do that and and then and then I started noticing that that the, the new moon also had these quite um, interesting feelings and uh, and when and were sort of there were low points a little bit they were sort of times where I wasn't so energetic um, and uh, and and sort of more recently of sort of use the, those times as, as times of understanding of, of of creating intention for the for the coming moon um mm -hmm. you know they're times to sort of set intentions for the next lunar cycle 
and to sort of uh, step back and just have some rest. So yeah, I just, I, it really interesting. So this sort of led me to sort of study a little bit as well. So yeah, um, yeah I can tell you a little bit about biodynamics, if you like. <laughs> Would love you to, yes, absolutely. Um, so I I um, sort of came across this because, um, I, you know, once I got down here and started growing, um, I found that a few people were using this thing called biodynamics. At first I thought that was like, oh, it's just, you know, that's just like organic, right? agriculture and then and then I realized that it was connected to the moon I thought wow okay I've got some sort of you know feelings around that mm -hmm. um so I started um I started looking into it and it's really interesting so um there's an amazing guy called Rudolf Steiner um he lived from 1861 to uh, 1925 and was really a um a philosopher at heart but I mean he explored lots and lots of ideas um and became quite a big public figure um but one of his real uh passions was all around the soil and the health of the soil and he could see at the beginning of the century and sort of beginning of the 1900s so that all the sort of like mechanized uh agriculture was coming in was actually detrimental to the soil health and was was uh, detrimental to nature um, and he sort of really started to try to come up with a way of um, counteracting that. Um, and it was shortly before he died, actually, in 1924, he was finally convinced to do a book and some lectures about it. Well, the book is actually just of the lectures. He did eight lectures in June 1924 um, around uh, just called agriculture. And he sort of set out um, the whole thing of biodynamics. Um he, he really recognised the importance of the health and interplay of cosmic and earthly influences on, on, on nature. Um, and, and he could see how you could use these, these influences to grow uh, healthy food without using these chemicals or mechanised um, agriculture. Um, and he started um, um, making these homeopathic preparations to sort of create a create a sort of medicine to to boost the immune system of the soil in order for it to create this uh create these healthy um uh plants and this yeah really really interesting so he sort of really um developed these ideas which which then went on later after his death to be sort of taken on by quite a few people as sort of working and developed further so maria thun who was you know, basically born when Steiner died. Um, she was born in 1922, became a, a real leading voice um, in biodynamics. She she passed in 2012, but she was really, um, she comes up with this, um, she came up with this amazing calendar. And after lots and lots of uh, sort of experimentation of uh, working with these cosmic influences, she sort of nailed down when key points within the lunar cycle to start seeds and to put preparations down and really sort of connected with these elements these earthly elements um so you know the earth element affects the roots and the water element affects the leaves and the air element affects the flowers and then the fire element is about fruit and the seed so um when it comes to the sort of lunar things so you know there's the moon moves through the 12 um uh, the 12 different um, uh, uh, constellations throughout the lunar month. 
Yeah. And basically um, each one of those constellations sort of then connects to one of these um, elements. So Virgo, Capricorn and Taurus are roots. Uh, Libra, Aquarius and Gemini are flower. Scorpio, mm. Pisces and Cancer are leaf. And Sagittarius, Aries and Leo are the fruit of the seed. Um, and by using these basic ideas, um, there's an amazing calendar, which I use every year. It's called the Maria Thun calendar. It's republished every year. There's a new one. I've got it sitting in front of me here, actually. And it's just instrumental in like um, setting intentions and using these cosmic influences to grow the food. And I've, I just become fascinated with it because um, having tried it, I can definitely sort of see that it works and I feel like it really gives me this this um um lovely connection to the to, to the moon and to using the moon and setting intentions for the plants that I'm growing using natural um influences patterns and elements so it's just it's just become incredible really um and uh I've I've been using it for for the last few years you can't always stick to it um, mm. But I use it very much for the times that I start my seeds. And I have to say, I haven't really delved too much into the preparations, but I've been studying them for some time and sort of, you know, it's just something you can't quite do on your own. But I finally found someone else locally that's doing it. In fact, I found, found a few people. There's, um, you might know that in, in Kent here, we've got the, uh, we had the Steiner School up near Canterbury, mm -hmm. which yeah. life school yeah um, so that's a piece of biodynamic land that's been in biodynamic um um you know um certification now which is called demeter uh there's a, wow, there's a certification for for um using biodynamics um so leo brockman is very much leading that there and he he um yeah he he's he's using biodynamics there which sort of goes beyond organic certification into these sort of cosmic influences and he's been using it there for many years and still does to grow mainly to grow uh wheat and, and to grow um cereal crops and he also grows these lovely uh longhorn beef cattle so he's um so he's just got this sort of lovely um lovely thing going on there where he doesn't use any chemicals on his land he just uses these preparations and and the moon influences to grow food in this way so really lovely and then locally i've also just met a really lovely soul called joe who started a little organic farm not too far from me just um down the road and um just this year actually i've i learned um just a few weeks ago we we created the free kings preparation which is the sort of first one of the year which is all around um uh yeah it's actually using gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which sounds oh, right. obscure. Um, <laughs> uh, you 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 basically crush them up in a pestle of mortar, and you you put put a small amount in some water, uh, and you mix that, and you have to create this vortex of you mix it for a whole hour by hand, um, to sort of really energize this this water, and then you 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 basically go around the boundaries of your land. And you um and you, you you push that out there to to ward away sort of um, evil spirits and to protect your land for the season. It's like the beginning of the season, um and it's uh yeah corresponds to it's like the sixth of January, which is yeah. um, Epiphany, going back to sort of early Christian pagan 
um, thought processes, which again, totally aligns with the stars. So the, the, the three kings were are basically Orion's belt um, uh, and they followed the bright star, which is Sirius to Bethlehem, according to, you know, the, the Christian thinkings. But actually it goes before that to pre, you know, into pagan times really where um, this was all about just the, what was going on in the sky. You know, that was our TV at the time, was this sky and these beautiful stars and what they did at certain times of year corresponded to how we how we treated the land and, and connected to, to the earth. So, yeah, it, really interesting. Um, and um, it's just something that I'm continuing to learn by. But if anyone wants to learn more about that, yeah, just look up Rudolf Steiner. Um, I'm sure a lot of people know about him and uh, the work of Maria Thun, which is T-H-U-N. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll find out a lot more about the biodynamics and the biodynamic calendar. Yeah. I I'm I got tingles listening to this because I'm like gonna go down some huge rabbit holes now. I feel so inspired to get that calendar, and there's so many bits in there. I really the part you said about the almost kind of the setting the boundaries, and I guess it's like a blessing with the gold, frankincense, myrrh, the three kings aspect that you were talking about. That really I was quite amazed by that because that I guess with um with the land like even to this day there are still many farmers and you know um you know that will still do things like that it's so deeply ingrained in the history of working with the land isn't it yeah i mean absolutely there's a there's a there's a massive community of biodynamic farmers um it's it's used quite a lot in creating wine quite a lot of people mm. might see that that people make biodynamic wine biodynamic wine you know i think that's the real teller is that the biodynamic wine just tastes so much superior to normal wine um oh, right. and so by using the cosmic influences you can make the best wine so it's really really interesting that one um i think it's used quite a lot in in cereal crops as well uh in yeah. wheat in particular um to create you know the best bread you know so it's it's you know, for farmers that come across it um, and start using it and 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 creating ritual around their food production, they tend to get better results. So this is this is just you know this is it's not just um, connecting to the cosmos, but also um, helping uh, sustain a, a healthy life with with a nice lively livelihood of, of farming and creating a, something that that just you know that might just uh, compete uh, a little bit better against your neighbours, you know, so that you have the better crops and you have the, the better produce um, and therefore are more, more successful in farming. So there's, there's, yeah, it's a really interesting thing that I, I want to continue to learn. I'm, I mean, I've just passed across basically all the information that I know about it, really. <laughs> but no, it's more, those... than, it's more than I know. And I feel like it's, it's a <laughs> great... So I think I just one more thing is is Charles Dowding. People may well have heard of him. He's, he's quite a, a YouTube sensation when it comes to growing food. Uh, no dig. He's sort of the godfather of no dig. Um, mm -hmm. He won't talk too much about um, biodynamics, but he certainly uses it. Um, yeah. He just doesn't want to. Um, uh, I think he just wants to have the broadest audience possible. And as we as I'm sure a lot of the witches know that, you know, you can get uh, singled out for 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 being into these sort of things and um you know it's interesting 
to uh, to see that that he hasn't sort of done that just so he can have greater reach with his work, which is uh, you know it just is a sad sad thing, isn't it? Really? But um, yeah, if you you could Charles Dowding is is one of my massive influences when it comes to growing food as well and how you can look after the soul and his calendar basically uses the biodynamic dates so his his calendar if you go to his website and get his calendar for the year you'll also get some tips and tricks on on actually how to grow the veg as well and you can sort of follow his youtube so yeah highly recommend him <laughs> do you know every december i have to get a bloody charles dowding calendar for my mom <laughs> <laughs> So it's like she's looking at her veg porn again. And we always take the Mickey and say, like, because obviously he's always in the pictures for each month. And like my dad's always taking the Mickey out there and saying, like, you know, he's going to be there with a cauliflower strategically positioned and so on. <laughs> yeah, I, so I sometimes say that. I just say I'm, I'm, gay, I'm gay for Charles Dowding, is, is one of the things I sort of say. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean I, I do uh have a bit of a perv over his gardens on his Instagram at times because they're just so tidy I just can't cope you know yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. completely immaculate <laughs> I, I mean I, he does give me a little bit of like you know uh, imposter syndrome because I was like I, I just can't get it I just can't get there um <laughs> every year I try to be as good as this. Yeah. a lot of help honestly yeah. <laughs> yeah and I know what you mean I guess because uh, I know this is a thing with even kind of a lot of yeah I guess I know what you're saying with he's not kind of going into a lot of the spiritual aspects of it if I can sort of say not the spiritual aspect rather like the cosmic side and the other elements that you've you've discussed that are in this calendar and so on because it is appealing to the masses and sometimes when you go into those elements they just shut it down and it's like nope you know he's kind of going into it on a base level I guess rather than overwhelming the masses with the other elements of it that they aren't going to get on board with necessarily yeah that's right I went to I went to see him in person he did like a lecture thing a few years ago uh, and I went to see him and he did talk about it during that which uh yeah um so he's not like he's not against like talking about it he just he just seems to not use it on his youtube shall we say um yeah. he does yeah. talk about it slightly in his books as well but he's just like he keeps it very on on the minimum and i and i, I sort of yeah i seem to un, i sort of get that a little bit because uh it's yeah. funny isn't it when you when i start talking about the moon and its influences some people you just see their faces and they just sort of like, okay. Like, <laughs> it's like they just start sort of going into that, like, okay, he's talking about the moon now. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like how, how you know, so many people just completely dismiss it. And uh, I, I wish that was different. I really do. And I think one day it probably will be. We'll understand it. The science will back it up a bit further and we'll understand a little bit more about these cosmic influences and and how we can connect to them and, and use them to 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 our advantage and and really have better connection with with the the, the cosmic uh, things that are going on you know it's really interesting when you think about it and they talk about this in the maria thun calendar is that you look out at those stars don't you and they are just they're too far away to even comprehend right mm -hmm. but actually you know there is there's is a big lump of rock in the sky and that's called the moon and 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 then actually there are two very you know some other really big things in in our solar system the sun is absolutely vast and obviously 
because it is so big, has a massive influence on us. But Jupiter and Saturn are also absolutely vast objects up there. And, and in comparison to all those other dots in the sky that you can see and you could view, um, when you view Jupiter and, and Saturn, you can know that they're actually really close. And, and we should understand how close they are in a sort of cosmic sense, because they they have, of course, they have influence over us. They're within our solar system. They're within our bounds, you know. And uh, it's really interesting. And I've really, I really, I would really recommend anyone that wants to get into this to pick up just even a cheap telescope or a decent pair of binoculars and start looking at not only the moon, but to, to find out where, where Saturn and Jupiter are in the sky and to have a look at them. Because I've, I've really enjoyed that over the last few years as well. I've just got a really cheap telescope. It's a 70 mil telescope. Someone donated it to me. And I can see the rings of Saturn with that. And I can also see the um, um, the beautiful moons of Jupiter, Io, Ganymede, Callisto, and Europa. I'm absolutely, I, I absolutely love seeing them. And they, the moons move around um, uh, Saturn, uh, around Jupiter every night. So if you look every single night, they're in a different position, and it's really, really interesting to see that. You know, you really get a sense of. Uh, the, the things that are going on up there these amazingly large like cosmic happenings you know as these 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 things move around um and of course of course they have influence on us why would you dismiss yeah. that um so it's really interesting to to think about that and to to connect with with those planets as well you know um just as many of the uh um uh the, the civilizations of the past especially sort of the greeks and romans connecting to those um to those those beings in the sky you know i've started to get very interested in the constellation hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Because I keep finding out, researching on goddesses that are linked to a certain... So I just uh, looked at the bear goddess culture, the cults of the bear goddesses and gods, and there was a lot of links to the little bear, the... The, the big bear, the little bear, I think Callisto is one of the names that it goes under because of the link to the to, to um, a particular story with her and Zeus. And that's got me looking into the sky and looking at, at this stage, my, my daughter's dad just said to me, you should get a telescope because you can see the sky so well here. I feel you saying that is my call to get one, but I'm always on a, just a little app on my phone. So I'll see so, stars, certain stars and try to figure out what the shape of them is and so on um but yeah for me that's become last year with clearer skies a real fascination to discover what's up there and 
not just, you know, that these can all affect us, but it's so humbling as well when you're kind of sometimes I I'm such an overthinker I let myself get bogged down with such rubbish at times and I'll go out and I'll look at the moon or the stars and it just it I don't know for me personally it just makes me think why are you worrying about this crap like look at we're in this you know it's that old like we're on this rotating planet surrounded by all these stars and infinity and so on and it's just so humbling for me and a bit of a kind of yeah forget about that <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it does put things into perspective, doesn't it? I, I really find that too. It's a, it's a real sort of humbling uh, thing to look up at the stars and the moon and, and to sort of understand how small we are. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think that really helps, you know. Um, I think, I, you know, the Carl, the Carl Sagan um, quote, you know, when when we sort of look back at Earth, there's a, you know, there's a picture of Earth looking back from the Voyager missions in the 70s and um, he, he talks about this and he, he it's a very famous speech where he calls Earth the pale blue dot. And then he's sort of like looking back to Earth from from Jupiter, basically, um, and understanding like how small we are, how how Earth is just one, you know, and, and it's such a singularity. You know, we, we are all one on this planet and, and all of our disputes wars and, and and nonsense is just it just gets thrown out the window when you look at us as like this one it's like why aren't we just all working together like yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I love that that overview theory uh, that overview effect that we get you know um you know it's just one planet it's one living ecosystem and um I really admire those sort of thoughts and feelings as well um to sort of like put things into perspective you know <laughs> yeah I also think it helps because I really struggle at times. I should really be conscious of seasonal adjustment disorder because I'm very much a summer person and I know that I, I need to appreciate autumn and winter as much as I can to stay sane. And for me, like that has been looking at the stars because there's so much more night, obviously, you know, and also things like sunrises, you know, the sunrise is much later. I, I'm just very conscious of getting out and looking at that and, you know, that really does change the day for me. Otherwise, I'll just kind of go into this, like, place of darkness mentally. It's very important, you know, just even just going out for, like, a 10-minute walk. I'm, I'm not working on the land like you, Ed, you know. I really have to shift my ass and get out there and kind of, you know, connect with it on that level or just sit in the garden with a cup of tea as well as doing that. Otherwise, it's so easy to lose the plot being indoors all the time and not connecting to outside that's it i think it's really important even on those cold nights it's actually in these cold nights you've got much more opportunity to see the stars actually so just wrap up warm and get out there really even if it's for just for 10 minutes you can take a hot drink with you and just have a like a quiet meditation you know um looking up at those stars and, and understanding you know our place in the universe really it's really interesting i think that's that's been instrumental to the well-being, my well-being. I think leaving London, uh, you know, a part of leaving London was was leaving some of those uh, traumas behind of the madness of London or the chaotic nature of London. And um, yeah, I found a lot of solace and and and, um, uh, and yeah, sort of a reconnection. Like I sort of talk about is is just through observation um, of the beautiful patterns of, of the universe, you know, and, uh, you can see them everywhere. You can see them out in the stars, but you can also see them in the soil and you can see them in the plants. You can see these patterns everywhere. Um, and it's just 
give yourself the time to actually observe those patterns and you will find like that it can give you a lot of well-being is what I found yeah I know many of our listeners are really interested in working with the land, the moon, seasons and growing their own. And obviously this time of year, a lot of us, myself, are thinking about what I can do this year on that front. Can you give us some insight or advice to someone who is doing this on a bigger scale as to what you feel is important to know and ways to get started? <laughs> yes. Well, um. It's, it's an interesting one. I've been working on a small bit of land, you know, and uh, uh, and I called my I called this organisation Rebel Farmer, but actually, you know, I'm not really a farmer. But mm. what I'm what I'm trying to create with Rebel Farmer is um, farmers. Um, I'm trying to like create a new system of uh, of, of of growing food with, uh, like I sort of mentioned, reciprocal sort of relationships with the land. Um, a lot of large scale farmers, um, you can't blame them for what they've done because the system yeah. has basically pushed them in this certain way. But yeah. they have been destroying the landscape quite dramatically, especially for the last sort of 40, 50 years. But basically since the Second World War, we've been um, we've been basically uh, creating, you know, chemical warfare with our landscape. And uh, we're seeing some really dramatic results in the decline of our biodiversity and in the in the toxicity of our soils our skies our waters um and uh, and it does primarily come down to how and what we eat um uh, it, it's really interesting so you know for people that have larger pieces of land and uh i i really sort of i'm starting to reach out to them um I'm sort of forming a bit of a cluster here in, in East Kent. Now I understand quite a lot of the the dynamics of how we can create something known as regenerative agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm trying to sort of almost advise um, and become an advisor on how we can how we can create systems that 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 move away from this this chemical dependency into much more like uh, holistic systems of management and um, Really, we, it's all about sort of one of the main problems that we face is is glyphosate. Um, I'm not going to go into it too deeply because I could probably talk about that for a whole hour. But um, really, some of the some of the things that we've been doing um, uh, using glyphosate are so detrimental. We're only just starting to understand what that actually looks like. Um, I think you know basically a lot of the diseases that we see within humanity and a lot of the 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 systems failures we see within nature are down to this one horrible chemical called glyphosate um that really really disrupts things at a very very cellular level right down to this uh, genetic side of things um and there is known some it's, it's actually known to be epigenetic so it actually creates a trauma so deep that it passes on to the next generation. Um, so if you're exposed to glyphosate, your children are going to actually um, be affected by that. And um, there is a lot of cases uh, to be to be sort of seen around the idea of it being connected to a lot of the autoimmune dysfunctions that we see, but also to autism, um, which is absolutely 
so scary to think about um uh, but uh, actually we've probably only seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the autism epidemic it's just going to be huge um you know uh, we've gone from got, gone from one in 5000 people um with it to to one in 50 in in a generation and yeah. um uh, uh and a lot of people are now starting to call out this this horrible way of creating food we 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 actually use glyphosate to kill it's it's a herbicide roundup it's a it's it's basically kills weeds it's what yeah. people spray on their dandelions or whatever to get a nice pristine lawn and um but it's what's used in in agriculture to um to basically kill um weeds in the field and it's used quite often um right at the start of the seeds journey like just as they put seed in the ground they'll just wait a few a few days and then they'll see the emergence of the weed seeds and they'll spray that ground um and of course that would you think that would affect the seeds but what's happened is like there's amazing um collaboration between the big companies that sort of seem to to run the food system like monsanto that run the chemical and they, they own the seeds um that they make these roundup ready seeds which is uh, like these these um glyphosate um tolerant seeds um to make this system work and then yeah it's just a horrible thing um and I, I, what i really sort of want to see and what i'm trying to promote is the idea that we can go for chemical free agriculture we've mm -hmm. got a, we've got like an amazing um uh communication network called the internet which allows us yeah. to sort of talk across the world about food and farming and and practice and techniques and we're now like we can we've basically figured it out we can we can grow food um to the yields that we that 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 we've been seeing with all of these chemicals without the chemicals and we can increase biodiversity we can look after nature recover nature and we can leave the earth better than when we found it just using some quite simple techniques and going back to where we're talking about it's all about these patterns again we can use and mimic nature to create these incredible uh, systems of, uh, of regeneration um, to feed the soil and to to uh, create, um, you know, an abundant food system again. We really need to get rid of this globalized thing. Um, you know, we can't be importing all of our foods. So there's there's quite a lot of interesting debate going on at the moment. Much pe many people will have heard of rewilding, and um, and and yeah, in many circumstances, that that can be a really good way of like recovering the land and sort of giving it back to nature. Um, and I'm I'm a real advocate for 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 some of that. But we also have to um, produce more food because at the moment we're importing 60, 70, 80 percent of our of our food when we could wow. be growing it here. Um, yeah, but this this comes down to a cultural problem. Um, which is around how and what we eat um, yeah. because we've become uh, the supermarkets have essentially made us so accustomed to being able to get things throughout the year that maybe aren't seasonal that aren't grown within that season and we just get them imported and we use them you know and we, we get used to like using avocados throughout the year from the other side of the planet or strawberries during winter when we you know really yeah strawberry season is just a few months in summer right um mm. and uh it's just you know we've got to we've got to change our habits in order to help the system so uh that's where i, I you know rebel farmer again coming back in is 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 about that 
cultural shift as well. So I'm very, very into um, to that side of it. The only way to sort of change the way the farmers are actually farming is to for us as consumers to like eat and uh, uh, in a certain way, in a seasonal way, um, to eat yeah. local and seasonal produce um, and and cook from fresh. You know, about you know, I, I, a lot of people don't even you know, of houses without kitchens these days. It's ridiculous. We've all got to like really get into like food. It's such a nice thing to do is just get together and cook and to sit around the table and eat. And that's that's a massive part of it. Um, and the education of our children is the other one. So some of the things we've been talking about today really need to be in the school system. You know, they aren't. And uh, it's it's a travesty because the children, especially before they get the distractions of their screens and stuff, the primary school children, are absolutely love being in nature. I've seen it firsthand, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you seen it. Um, you can really get them involved with growing food and understanding where food comes from at that early age before they become completely distracted by our modern lives. Um, and even if they disappeared into the screens throughout their teenage years, if they've got that sort of fundamental foundation of of understanding, um, they can they can really um, you know take that forward in their in their later years and and hopefully use that to the betterment of the planet. Um, and it's all about how we consume food and where it comes from. Um, so it's really interesting. I'm really on a path. It's like you know rebel farmer. A lot of, a lot of people probably think that it's I'm just like a market gardener, but very much I'm on this sort of front line of trying to sort of um, ignite this change and to try and try and sort of uh, let people understand the problems that exist and and offer them solutions so that we can sort of change this system. So, yeah, when it comes to sort of big landowners and big bigger farmers, please just start looking at the facts and figures and um, understand that there is an alternative we do need some more support um and there is some more support coming through the government's actually finally starting to listen um it's not enough but it's 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 better than it was um and and we're really going to see a bit of a shift this year in the way our food is created and um and hopefully we can get it to a price um that is equitable for all because that's also very very important um it shouldn't be just people of a certain income bracket being able to afford real food we really need it there for and in particular for people of, of um that are underprivileged or, or haven't uh, that don't have the the income to sort of feed themselves properly um so yeah we really need that so yeah i, I can bang on about it forever carly you can see how no, i'm listening I'm, I'm taking it all in because i was gonna say I think one of the problems is often assumption with with um, food because I think a lot of us assume and, and we assume that our kids know where food comes from. We assume that we know what's a seasonal food as well. I'm not ashamed to say for as green of a witch my mum is, a good few years ago I was an absolute numpty when it came to where food came from. It just wasn't on my, grew up in London, didn't do any of it, wasn't, it wasn't on my you know what just wasn't shown to me other than my mum kind of trying to intersperse it in conversations we had and so on but you, I didn't want to listen to her sadly um but I think it's this assumption that we sometimes think we know where food comes from we also think that our kids are having these conversations at school and so a lot of kids when you know we, there's been reports of you know kids thinking that 
meat just turns up in tiny packages and, <laughs> and things like that. And, you know, it, it's actually kind of really looking at it and thinking, do I actually know what's seasonal right now? Do my kids even know where this, where this, how these carrots turn up and where they grow? You know, even just asking that most basic of questions, because I think that we sometimes assume and, and that's, you know, something maybe to start with somewhere maybe we can start. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Like I say, I think, um, yeah, the school system could do a lot, really. I'm, I'm working with a working with a new group, actually, called the Kent School of Food um, that's looking yeah. to, to, to do just that and to work with local schools to, to put food firmly in, in the curriculum. And it's not just like a food education class. You can actually put food into to maths physics <laughs> you know you can put it into you can put it into geography and you can put it into yeah. history you can you can put it into all of those subjects um and teach it that way you know it can be across the board um and that would i think that would be one of the the best ways of trying to avert the what seems to be the um the human caused climate change um would be to sort of reduce the amount of carbon going into the atmosphere it's, you know it really is just about reducing um, the food miles associated and the chemicals associated with our foods. Um, I, it really is. We we can grow it on a small scale. Large scale yeah. farming is just at the moment. We're, we're trying to work it out, but it's still completely run on fossil fuels. You know, mm -hmm. you, there is no way you can run a farm of more than a few acres without a tractor. I, I yeah. run like yeah. half an acre. It takes one, two, three of us probably full time to make some food on there, but Yes, it's quite intensive labour, but it's it's a lovely li livelihood. And what that does is that creates food for, you know, anything up to about 50 families. So, you know, we just need to, you know, we need to deglobalize this system and start to understand, like, uh, the, the power of localism and, um, and community around food. I mean, I think it's the basis of community, sitting around the table to eat is, yeah, yeah. you know, it's where we share stories. Is where we um where we interact and 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 we can tell stories about the food, but also about everything else around that table, and that, and then we can get a real understanding of um of of how we can sort of make that positive change that I sort of see. Um, yeah. So permaculture is all about that. It has these three pillars. Um, uh, is is earth care, but it's also mm -hmm. people care, and it's fair share. Those are the three fundamental pillars behind the the design process of permaculture and that's what um i'm continuously redesigning really and trying to improve on and i think you know we we everyone can have a little look at permaculture and try to understand that a great place to start is a permaculture magazine it's a fantastic just quarterly um magazine it's it's just going to cost you 12 pound a year or something and you're uh and then you're going to have that and it's full of really lovely enlightening articles about how you can reconnect with with your landscape and your community and how you can um share it fairly you know um i think that's what it's all about so um yeah uh, i think you know we're we're in the we're on a sort of like uh you know these connections to the to the cosmos can really help because by understanding their influence and um and their magical powers um then we can start to start to sort of influence the food system quite greatly with them and and that can can have amazing effects like i've sort of suggested so 
you know i i really i'm an advocate for reconnection and, and you know connection to the moon connection to the soil that living biome um and, and connections to ourselves you know understanding that we are uh, you know a, basically a, a civilization within us in, within our guts we are just like there is a, a whole civilization of things going on that we've mm. got no idea about really we're only just touching the surface on in science but i think we know deep down especially a lot of the witches will understand the you know that that connection and that we are we are just like um you know are coming together of, of many many different elements and um uh and 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 you know that's that's the way to sort of you know to heal this planet is to is to first heal ourselves and to have that fundamental connection to ourselves um and then we can go on and, and hopefully you know help others to achieve that connection yeah Absolutely. I I think I might go off. This is just a little bit, bit of an off key sort of um, aspect on this because I, I really connected with um, food and plants and herbs and, 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 and all things green because like you were saying, like a lot of the stories behind them and a lot of the folklore and I feel like any of I feel for me that was what really got me into more seasonal living with food and so on when I looked at because the witchcraft aspect was always the priority for me I started to look into a lot of the um, magical associations the folklore around certain vegetables plants and so on and for me that was kind of what got me going if that makes sense to then start thinking what am I eating how is this supporting the planet now I feel a connection to these vegetables and these plants and so on and I think if you're not kind of convinced on any of the other fronts that might be the way that kind of the stepping stone to get you on this track um it, but that for me was what built connection and got me on, on this kind of tra trajectory I can never say that word yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely I think that's um you know I it, but you can come that's another lovely angle to come in on it um you know I think uh yeah like i like i've suggested i think the moon is has been a big part of connecting me to it and uh and it sounds like you know those sort of things can really help you connect in with 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 the the seasons with the circularity and with with the magical nature of 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 the earth and and, and the cosmos um yeah it's, it's it's fascinating really i i can't wait to learn more i think that's the other thing isn't it is that once you're on this path and you've decided that you know you're going to dedicate um part of your life to 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 something like this that you're always going to be learning there's no there's no like there's no finish point you're just you know you're on a continuous enlightenment that will um that will hopefully um you know keep you happy and healthy and um, understanding more um but yeah I, i'd love to know more you know i want to learn more from you carly like you know do you need to share some more of your experiences with me and I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about the witchcraft um i think there's another there's another event coming up isn't there um was sailing have you yeah i know was yeah <laughs> haven't um, been to an event yet but i would love to but there are a few near you because i know my mum i think went to one or two yeah there's one this saturday <laughs> actually which is which is sort of like morris dancers and uh and storytelling with lots of fire in the orchards yeah. you know blessing the orchards ready for the new year drinking cider um yeah really interesting i think that 
you know that goes back to some some very old traditions it's a very interesting one <laughs> i think a, a very much a, a kent thing as well you know because we have so yeah. many kids here we're very much an apple growing area um so it's yeah really interesting one um but yeah i mean we're, we're looking looking towards uh yeah when's our next uh point in the wheel of the year now we're uh here we are in january it's like we've just uh just passed a certain point haven't we you'll what's the next yeah. one so in bulk next, and this is obviously when a lot of us will all start thinking of what our intentions are for our growing, be that, you know, for ourselves, but for the garden, for, yeah, that's that's the next one, which is, you know, quite a, a the you know, the return of the light, quite a big one, I think. And that's the point when I start to feel like, yeah, we're coming out of the dark times. So, yeah, that's always a really, a really important one. Um, yeah, that's the first of february isn't it first of yeah. February. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so, so that's not far away now is it goodness me no and i keep yeah. thinking that because you know weeks. i think <laughs> if you are someone that's sort of i i try not to be on the countdown for spring but it's so it's such an exciting time when you start thinking the land's gonna start you know shoots start to come through still very early but it's that little glimmer of the light returning bit of hope you know it's like um a lot of connection with the you know sheep the lambs and so on so yeah it's a really really important one for me and a lot of us I think um I think that's when uh, we um where we see like quite a lot of I think that's really the time of year when you start to see that the slight increase in light yeah is then creating yeah. just enough um to see the really early um indications of spring so spring is not there but you can see it, the light is allowing you to see that just the, those early, early indications at the start of the year and it's actually you know I, I usually start seeds pretty early in February like some of the summer yeah. fruits you know so it's uh, it's um yeah it's not far away now <laughs> hang on just hang on yeah, in there it's, uh, it's a bit <laughs> cold today it's minus six, uh, <laughs> six this morning on my uh on my car when I drove out I couldn't believe that <laughs> Yeah, my yeah. mum's always like, just hang on in there, it's just around the corner, because she's always <laughs> on about this sort of that time and it getting light again, because obviously she's such a, um, well, my mum's got the nickname the Compost Queen, which is kind of, I know you guys, uh, that's how <laughs> I met Ed, through my mum, who is very much the Compost Queen, I definitely need to get her on to talk about, oh my goodness, all of, all of her knowledge on that front. Um, I think in terms of, um, I know you've already recommended some great resources. Um, oh, so, so one thing I wanted to ask you in my romanticizing living off the land, which I often do, I often love to read books by people who live, live off the land that discuss the seasonal changes and they do refer to the wheel of the year and, you know, bits that we discussed. Also like the history of the lands that they are on, and experiences that they have had, as I say, you know, I romanticise it at times. And before we came onto the com onto our conversation today, you, Ed, were telling me about things going on where you are. But what are some of your favourite parts of the year working on the land? Or have, or have you any moments that have really stuck with you that have really, I don't know, been a bit awe moments, I guess, that you were happy to share? Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I really love the changing season so I, I like the change I, I I don't it's really interesting I just like that those moments in the year when you suddenly see that change and um, rather than anything specific you know 
I just I love the circularity of it all. So mm. you know, that that moment when 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 the leaves turn um, color is in the autumn is is a really special time. I really love that in particular, and I think and those and the spring. You know, I just when when you start to see the herbs and everything emerge, um, the, you know, and and see a bit of color with the the daffodils and a few other early flowering plants uh the the magnolia you know um yeah. the magnolia is always such a when the magnolia flowers you you've just got so much hope at that point of the year um that it you know there's no turning back now like spring is on its way you know and uh i i, I think that sort of continuous renewed hope that that the, the little indications show you um is 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 just magical really um i'm trying to think of a of a memory i think i i, I was trying to think of one now but um I, I really do love um that time of year when we start to see the mushrooms as well so that autumn, yeah. autumn time of year um you know when you sort of I, I quite often at that time of year i'm just finally getting to the point of uh, of having a bit of a rest or slowing mm -hmm. down slightly having had you know an immense summer working the land so around that time of year it's my birthday as well the third of november is uh, sorry the ninth of november my boy's birthday is the third of november so we we always have a bit of a uh, a sawin uh, you know uh, celebration yeah. halloween celebration that sort mm -hmm. of time of the year is always probably my favorite um you know um and it's it's a it's a it's an amazing time when when things really just stop you know i think i feel like most things just stop growing at that point um and the, the the mushrooms emerge and uh and you have that sort of like real sort of change of guard it feels like and i finally get a bit of time to rest and to go and catch up with my friends and stuff um but i will mention this one memory that i have which sort of connects us back to the moon a little bit and yeah. i think it's about it's about that friendship thing as well is as how you can have these these special moments with friends by mm -hmm. just, just by working with the moon um you know, I was organising a, a date for my for my bestest uh, blokes to come over, really, and have a bit of a have a bit of a summer knees up. Yeah. Um, and uh, I sort of thought that I would use that power of the moon and the full moon to 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 create a really good night. Um, and I I worked out that there was a there was basically a really beautiful occasion when it was going to be a full moon. Uh, mm. And it was also going to be a sort of beautiful display from Jupiter and Saturn being in the yeah. sky. Um, and I wanted to have the boys over for for a night to sort of really embrace that. And it was just, it's all perfect timing. You know, when you get into these rhythms and these <laughs> patterns, I knew when the, when the moon was going to rise and it was going to, and then, and then, you know, we we're going to see Jupiter and Saturn rise as well. And uh, at a certain time in the night, we could go for a, go for a moonlit walk because mm -hmm. the moon was high enough to light up the landscape and we could just go out without torches to 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 have a have a have a nighttime roam after a few beverages you know yeah. um yeah so uh i just we we went i took i took my friends on a moonlight tour of my plot and uh i remember very very clearly coming across this sunflower um and it was the same height as as me and my friends it was sitting there at about six foot 
and it was just it had the sort of same roundness as a face and uh and we were just in the moonlight we were walking through the plot and we just came across this 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 amazing uh, beautiful sunflower which was just facing the moon it was just in full illumination wow. and uh, yeah we all just sort of stood around and admired this this beautiful sunflower and 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 how it was also looking at the moon you know and i felt i really felt this amazing connection and we we're looking up at the moon and it was totally triangulated so you had like the moon yeah. and had saturn and jupiter and they made a triangle in the sky and it was just like you know these sort of like these these little moments that were just that just stick yeah. in memory and, and and uh yeah um you know I sort of had pre-planned it but it came together so well and I was it's just like a really really happy moment so I thought I'd share that with you <laughs> I love sunflowers and I you know and I they are like little faces just looking up at the sun and I really really love that and I I too some of my it's funny because when you know I think about memories of the land I've got and so many of them involve the moon like when I've seen huge super moons and you've kind of I remember being in Paris and I turned around this corner and it was like this moon was sitting on the level of the pavement it was up on a hill it was just so huge in between kind of you know uh two huge buildings on either side and I think we've all got these moments where she's just a big part of our you know, favourite times, really. But yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing it. And you know what, you've got me thinking, I really need to get on my knowledge of the planets more. <laughs> That's one of the things I'm definitely going to take away from this, that there's lots of things I'm going to read and follow up on. I definitely want to get a copy of the calendar you mentioned. But for our listeners that resonate with this discussion, I know I definitely have. And if they want to delve even further, are there other resources or books that you would recommend? Uh, yeah, I think I've mentioned them really. Like, so the, the Maria mm -hmm. Thurman calendar is a really yeah. good place to sort of start um, and to understand what, you know, how to use biodynamics in particular to grow food. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think when you talk about apps these days, I really um, enjoy Star Walk, which, you know, gives you that sort of augmented like vision of the of the sky and understand what yeah. you're looking at a little bit further. Um, and I've actually come across a really nice, it's a bit more of a sort of scientific app, but I really like it. It's called DAF Moon, D-A-F oh. Moon. And um, I really like it, actually. I, I only just came across this, actually, the other day, but it's just a really good, um, tells you, you know, when the moon is going to rise and set, exactly how it looks at a certain time, where it is on the horizon, when, um, uh, it, and how it sort of correlates with, with where you are and where the sun is, where the moon is, and, and where the constellations are. So it's a bit like Star Wars, but it's a little bit, I, I really enjoyed that one, actually. I was looking at it the other day. Um, but yeah, just read up about Rudolf Steiner. Um, mm -hmm. I think in, in general, his philosophy, his teachings are so, so powerful. He, he wrote like 50 books. Like it's incredible. There's so much to read about, um, him and, um, I can, I could recommend actually his, his autobiography yeah. that he wrote about himself and his early years. Really interesting. Like, you know, gives you a real sort of understanding of like how um how he got to the place he was which is still a little bit mystical i have to say it's really interesting he just suddenly um understood the cosmos 
Um, and I don't know how that happened. There's, there's, there's yeah. a few theories out there, but uh, um, yeah, I think uh, he met he met um, he met a sort of medicine man on the train to university. Um, oh, that's uh, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he may well have delved into some some, some psychedelic realms there, and yeah. um, um, and I think that sort of may have may have triggered his his understanding of the universe, um, which is really interesting, you know. And I think uh, there's probably quite a few listeners out there that might um, relate to that too. Um, but it's uh, yeah, I think uh, you know, really, I just want to leave you on just you know, the power of yourself. Um, uh, and just being able to go out there and try and meditate on that moon and on the sky um, at night and just try and um, um, just let it teach you, you know, like I think the greatest teacher is yourself, really. And just observing, observing the universe and, and, and trying to understand what it tells you, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's telling a story, continuously changing and telling this brand new story every day, every night. So, yeah, try and connect with that. I love that. I absolutely love that. Ed, I was going to ask you, where can we find you? And do you have anything coming up that we need to keep an eye out for? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you can find me at www.rebelfarmer.co.uk. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I very much mainly sort of talk about my food growing, my community things there. Um, uh, it's all about to change, actually. I'm, I've got a bit to, to update the website um, with what's going on this year. I am doing some like, connection events with the moon um i i just gently starting um with uh with the moon this month uh with the wolf moon i'm just have a little gathering of friends um but i'm hoping to do some events especially around the harvest moon later on this year that will be a big sort of open public events so do look out for that um uh, i'm really into sort of rhythms at the moment like uh, these patterns rhythms so yeah that that would be really interesting we're going to have uh, each of the um each of the gatherings we're going to have like a drum circle which is going to sort of try and help us relate to these rhythms of life and uh uh and to the and to the soil as well as the sky you know um so yeah i'm trying to sort of build these these immersive events um but yeah keep an eye out and and i think they're really going to come out and um uh later this year if i'm honest um taking it quite slowly this year uh, trying to make sure that I don't burn out because, uh, yeah, I quite often take on too much. But you can contact me. You can always email me. I love um, responding to emails. I'm pretty good at that. So do email me from the website if you've got, you know, sp- specific like questions that you'd like to know. Um, and you can find us on Instagram as well. I do like to take photos and share them, including some of the moon. Um, I do do take pictures of the moon through my telescope. Um, and that's uh, Rebel Farmer Ed. So Rebel Farmer, Ed, E.D. Yeah. And even when that does come up, Ed's land is truly magical. I remember, I think I probably went a couple of years ago in January and it's beautiful. So I, I didn't get to see it kind of, you know, high as summer or anything, but it was already looking great. And it's got a really lovely feel to it. I'm really excited to see what you do. I know you're always doing something, so I'm really excited to see what you do going even forward this year. Um, but I will link everything in the show notes so everyone can find you and see what you're up to. Ed, thank you so much for coming on. This has been mind blowing. I've got so many rabbit holes to go down. It's really inspired me. I'm sure it has our listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you, Carly. I've really enjoyed talking to you.